Well, starting out this week, I think we both spent a little time uh, thinking about the RFA situation away from away from microphones. Yeah. Um, I, I've given this some thought, I, and you know me, I try to oversimplify everything. There are not many Tavares's left. The big ticket UFA. Stamkos didn't get there. Crosby, McDavid, those guys will not get there. They're, the, the theory was in the last CBA, the RFA spends his second deal, spends his second contract, putting himself into position to become 27, hit the UFA market, and really cash in. The league has gotten so much younger in the last five or six, seven years that now it's the RFA. If you look at the numbers, the guys really cashing big paychecks are RFAs. The UFA market is practically dead, like we talked about last week. It There is really nobody in there that's a high-ticket marquee player. They're, they're locked up as RFAs, and it's going to stay that way. So the cap has flipped upside down to where now your your cap heavy players are RFA and the UFAs are not dragging down enormous money. So it's it's just sort of gone backward and it's just and it's all based on age. Well, is I guess the question would be is this RFA situation bad for the league? No, but you know what I think they're they're probably and going I, and I asked that because because this is the first year I've witnessed anyway that how many RFAs coming into camp are left unsigned for how many teams? Is it bad for the league if this many guys potentially go into the season with no contract, potentially like rumor is Marner goes to Europe to train if he's not under contract? This many guys, Line A, Ranton, and Kachuk, Point, Marner, Connor, all these guys potentially going into December before they play on this many teams. Is it, is it bad for the league that this many this many stars or potential stars are potentially not going to play at all, let or at least until December? Looks bad. I, I say it's bad for the teams. Uh, it looks bad because it looks like the league can't manage its own market. These guys are really going to change the marketplace. And I think Matthews started it. Uh, you're going to see more guys trying to trying to hit that three-year, four-year deal. And it's... I think the biggest mistake w- was made by Dubas. <laughs> Here we go again, yeah. Um, and should have... We'll see if it's he, a mistake, well, but it'll I take th- a few years. I think it was a mistake uh, on the basis of... You sh- this is a situation now where he gives in to William Nylander and it creates a narrative now where Mitch Marner sees this and he goes, if I hold out long enough, Dubas will give in to me and I'll get what I want. At some point, there's no checks I mean, left in the checkbook. I mean, it, but. if anybody's, if anybody's going to cave, it should be the player, not the team. And That's exactly what we to, were saying. So Nylander should have either had to sit out all year or Dubas trades him and he makes he makes Nylander somebody else's mistake and but 
the mistake was made. The question, I guess, is has that mistake affected things this year with the RFAs? No question. I, I, I get a lot of grief because I tend to rant about William Nylander a lot and that situation. And again, I got nothing against the kid, but I don't like the situation where an unproven player can hold you hostage. But that's, it's in the CBA, so it's perfectly fine. I, people underestimate how much impact that particular situation had on the entire league because of the number of high-value RFAs that hit the market this summer. And if, it had been, if this had been years ago, it wouldn't have had that big of an impact because RFAs were just not putting up 30, 40 goals and they weren't this high profile guys on virtually every team in the league. So that really was a watershed moment in the RFA procedure. But as far as Nylander's specific situation, we won't know if that was a mistake for a few years. Three years from now, if he's putting up 100 points a year and he's making 7 million bucks, he's going to look like a steal. Three years from now, if he's putting up 35 points a year at $7 million, he's going to be a white elephant. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But have an impact on the rest of these guys? Absolutely. You, there's, there, is an, there is a concrete reason why there is dead silence from every single one of these camps. The first one, first indication I think that you can look at is Zach Wierenski in Columbus looking for three years. So, and he's not the biggest name out there, but he's certainly a guy that everybody would like to have. He's looking for three years. So the, the logic in RFAs has gone from, give me a long-term deal, give me seven term, but, and, and as much money as I can get, I'll take a little less now to take three years so I can really, I can really get into your pocket and on my next deal. Well, here's something to ponder. And I thought about this. Is would um, Sidney Crosby be a lock in Pittsburgh if he didn't sign his major deal before the change in the CBA? Because he signed, I think, a, what he he was one of the guys that signed a twelve-year contract he, before yeah. the CBA changed to where the max could be eight. And so, if if he were signing a contract today, would he be a a guy who could potentially land elsewhere? Because at seven or eight years and whatever else, he's just not getting what he's asking in Pittsburgh. We'll, it's something to ponder. Yeah, it's we'll it's more know. rhetorical and we'll never know, but it, it it's something to think about because... Look at the difference. If you're talking about those long-term deals that were signed prior to the new CBA, <clears throat> look, look what happened to Paul Fenton and, and Chuck Fletcher out of Minnesota. They're, they were just... The uh, those hundred million dollar deals that they signed with, with Parisi and Suter, those were the anchors that drug them to the bottom of the thirteen of the GM years. Ocean. Both both of them thirteen years at yeah. whatever. I and mean, that's part of why we we see now teams are very reluctant to start handing out long term deals to a twenty seven year old UFA because he is going to be thirty five when that deal's over. And you look around the league at the thirty five year old impact players. There's not a lot of them anymore. That's also p- partly why you see, why you see in those contracts too, like you saw with Tavares, the the money 
comes in the first year. Yeah. And then the you know, with their CBA proof contracts and everything. And then the rest is league minimum stuff yep. on the rest of his seven year, seven or eight years. And it's a safeguard against a work stoppage yep. against exactly injury right. against age, against anything like that. So that if Tavares gets to be 34 years old and starts to slow down now, he, and whatever reason you buy him out, I, I don't see Tavares being a guy you buy out, no. but to prove the point, you buy him out. Now you're only buying out a $1.2 million thing rather than a $11 million thing. Right. It's, and also look at the, look at the cap structure teams, the teams that are handing out those giant contracts to uh, Matthews and Tavares that are so front loaded. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs who have a virtual bottomless pit of cash. It's not the Ottawa Senators. It's not the Carolina Hurricanes. It's it's the uh, it's the teams. Well, Chicago did it with Kane and Taves. It's all around the league. If you've got the money, that's what the players are, are demanding. As much as term and salary, it's the structure of the payment. So it's uh, it's just constantly changing. The landscape of of the changes all the time, which is also why you're seeing more guys like Cheka and Dubas being hired into the GM chair. Because it's a it's a lawyer and accountant world as much as it is now. You you turn that over, turn the scouting and the rosters over to player development staff. You, uh, now the the GM office is run by lawyers and accountants. Suit and tie. Yep. Before anything, hit the subscribe button, rate and review. Settle in for episode number twenty two of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. Episode 22 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast this week. Um, This week we're we're discussing uh, BCHL uh, a little bit. Last season, uh, Prince George, BCHL champions, walked through the playoffs, only lost once. Only lost one game all all playoffs. They really caught Um, stride. Went in uh, and lost to Brooks in the Doyle Cup, heading into the RBC Cup. Brooks ultimately winning the RBC Cup yet again. <laughs> but Prince George uh, took strides last year, dominated. Um, this is a really a, good league. There's a, a lot a, of parity in this there, league. There, it's a good league. Um, the only team that didn't make the playoffs last year was Surrey. They've done some retooling too, So it's, they? it's set up in the BCHL where every team makes the playoffs but one. Yeah. At least until they expand or and and add any more teams or whatever. But at least right now, one team every year will not make the playoffs, which means that the playoffs are are really when the fun begins because everybody's there and then it becomes competitive. Yep. Um, Trail the year before. Yep. Uh, there's Victoria, a quick note, Victoria had um, 
the highest scorer in the BCHL in Alex Newhook. Yep. Alex Newhook went and became the highest drafted BCHL player. I, I Bound uh, to be good. This year in, in 2019, he went 16 overall. Um, Victoria, Victoria did well. What, um, so what position did they take? Uh, they took Dante Fabro in Nashville. He was he wasn't he, taken this year though. No, no but, two years ago. Um, and Tyson Jost. Where Jost was, was ten overall. Ten overall. Okay, but he okay. was. Um, Alex Newhook was the highest this year. Oh yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, Okay. History wide, would, that would be a false statement, given that Tyson Jost went ten, he went 10. and yeah. things like that. But I, uh, this year, Alex Newhook was the highest drafted of the BCHL. Real uh, player. He had 102 points. I think the next, the next guy had maybe 60 points or, or something like that. So um, he won't last long in school, will he? He's going to Boston College for a year. Probably for I maybe I'm gonna say at max two. That's we were two years seems to be kind of average. Yeah, average. Um, Paul Stasny did two years at Denver. Kale yeah. um, McCarr did two years at UMass. I think Newhook will do um, two years at BC. Gain gain hit the gym. Gain some some muscle. Gain some strength. Um, and then after two years, he'll he'll be. At least competitive for an NHL spot, if not, um, if not a guy that slots right in. Yeah, he's he's going to be a player. Uh, you don't know what his where he's going to translate to ultimately, but you know you got to believe that's a top six guy. At uh, when he when he grows out, we were talking a little bit before before we started here in studio that uh, these guys are when you come through a a, a circuit like the BCHL. Uh, which is one of the uh, one of the absolute best in at the junior A uh, in the country, if not the best. You're much lower risk guy if you spent if you play junior A until you're 19 or 20, go to school for a year or two or three. Now, when you start your entry level deal, first of all, they're getting a 22, 23, 24 year old, almost basically grown man at an entry level deal instead of an 18 or 19 year old. So it's, it's much easier on the cap and you're a much lower risk because now you've got a guy that you, that he's physically and mentally more mature. He's got uh, a lot more experience. So it becomes a really good route to go for the guys who are not named Crosby McDavid. You know, it's got a, they've got a, a place for guys to go that need some seasoning need some percolating. Yep. Uh, heading into this year, teams to watch, teams or players to watch, um, I think Penticton will be a, a good, good. they're good every year. Always. Um, I think they're going to be a team to watch, though. This year they're vying to host the 2020 RBC Cup. Um, they've got... A lot. They've got a number of players that are legacies from the NHL. Yep. Um, I know uh, Niedermeyer's one. Um, they'll have Danny Waite. Yep. The son of Doug. Doug Waite. Um, so that they'll have Luke Sillinger. Luke Sillinger. Um, they 
uh, lost Massimo Rizzo. They traded their captain to Coquitlam. Um, that was a they, that was a do you a favor deal. Um, up, Rizzo is uh, from that, that area, so yeah. he um, traded him home and uh, picked up DePaulo um, from that from that deal. Um, he'll he'll, he'll be a he'll be a good player. He'll look real good. They've got. They have twenty kids on that roster that are signed to to go to school. That's the the highest number in the in the league. I think NCAA hockey is becoming just as much of a viable option as junior, as major junior, or major junior. Yeah. Um, they're they're it's, they're over the past number of years. They've started producing league-leading NHL players as much as Major Junior has. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's a good route to go. It's, it's, you know, it's a good option for the kids to have. It's difficult at the age of 20 when you are no longer eligible to play junior. If you've gone the Major Junior route, you can't play junior anymore. You've got to either turn pro or quit or go to Europe. It's a, it's a difficult position for a kid to be put in at the age of 20. Like we were talking about a few minutes ago, at 20 years old, how many kids know whether or not it's worth it to keep slugging it out in the East Coast League or go to Europe for a while and see if you can figure it out in the K or someplace, or just hang them up and go get a job. With no, They've done a much better job in the last generation since the CHL started putting away uh, Canadian University tuition for each year of service in major junior. So that's, that's really helped ease the pain for guys that are on the bubble or just cannot go further. It's helped a lot. There's one of the things that really stuck out to me when we started looking at the prospects around the BCHL, Evan, is there are over 150 kids in this league alone that are signed to go to major division one universities. 150 kids in the BC alone, which is amazing. I was surprised at that and also surprised looking down the list at the number of Americans and they've increased the, uh, they've increased the, the import, which imports only apply in the BCHL to the U S I don't believe if you bring up a Swede, Russian, somebody like that over, I don't think they're qualified as imports. Are they? I don't, I, don't I know, think so. I know the, I know the um, the CHL Major Junior has an import draft right every year, and that is that includes a lot of Europeans and a lot of a lot of things yes. like that. Yeah, that's um, where in the, in the BCHL imports um, are a lot of times, and it's um, we won't touch too much on it right now, but. Um, Imports have to a, a lot to do with um, players that aren't Canadian. Basically, is the broad is the broad strokes of it. So you know, team like Wenatchee being in Washington, being in the states, um, their their import rules may or may not be different. Right, and we can just we'll we can we can out. touch on that at a, at another time. Yeah. Um, but Overall, though, the rule is um, eight, a maximum of eight import players allowed to be dressed. Right. 
So that's not allowed on the roster, but that's allowed to be dressed on a given night. And I think that's changed over the last few years. Years ago, I think it was four. I believe I don't. I, I'd have to go back and look at the when that rule changed. Well, if if it has changed, it it goes to show the the growth of the game that that high level players are coming out of areas other than Canada. Right. And so to give these players a place to play and a chance to play, you increase increase the number from four to eight or eight to twelve or six to nine or you know anything yeah. like that but you increase it so that there's more of an opportunity for these players to have a roster spot because the game is growing so and they've got more so many more options now i mean you look at like just a recent edition of arizona state uh with illinois, the division one program illinois is coming into division one here at some point um university of illinois Hmm. They're going to get a Division One program here um, in the next couple years. Um, so NCAA is expanding. So the game's expanding. Yep, um, and so. it's it's popular. NC two A buildings are full. It's a it's a really good brand. And, and it, it, what uh, is it? There's a pride to it too, where where there's no money involved. There's no sponsorships involved there's none of this and that you're playing for you're playing for your school you're playing for your school you're playing for the logo on the front they're right. you know a pride factor of you know the next day walking walking through campus and being the overtime hero there's a <laughs> you know there's a pride factor with playing for the, for your school so yeah. there's popular popular decisions to play in front of the student section and all that stuff so if it just wasn't for that darn school thing that pesky classroom <laughs> deal that gets in the way School always gets in the way, but I, you're right though. Back to the original, the original subject. Uh, I, I, the V's are always strong. Fred, uh, Fred does a fantastic job with that team. He knows how to groom. He's uh, one of the, not just one of the best coaches in the BCHL. He's one of the best coaches in the country. And, he's uh, he's kind of one of those guys that is kind of irreplaceable. He's a juggernaut. He's a he's a. Uh, I, I I think any fan would riot if you were ever fired or anything like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. It's, I'm it, it surprises me every year though that he is so loyal to the uh, to the program and so good for the for the city and and for the team. Uh, and he just he cranks out prospects. That's why that's why he gets fed so many top prospects without having to recruit as hard because guys know that my my first or second round pick or my, uh, my recruit to go to this school or that school, I can, I can send him to Fred and in a year or two, I'm going to get back a fine young man. I know what I'm getting back when you've played for Fred. He, he cranks out guys that know how to play the game, know how to behave themselves. They're uh, really, really, he's got a, he's got a factory there. Now, is he a guy that you see um, potentially, branching out and taking head coach job promotion wise, you know, it, I've wondered whether it, about ma- whether it be major junior or AHL, you know, or anything like that. He's that good. He's that good of a coach that he could be successful doing it. The, the question is, would he do it? The only thing that I believe could lure Fred away would be an NCAA job. Oh, you think he'd prefer NCAA? That- NC2A. That's where, that's where his great connection is. 
there's now a whole lot more money in it and a lot of opportunities and everybody knows him. Everybody respects him. Uh, he's held in high regard. And I, I can't say this because I don't, it would be totally out of school for this to be anything but a personal opinion, but I believe he gets offers. I, I'm, I've been surprised now for, I've known Fred for eight years. Uh, I'm surprised every year that he still he hasn't been lured away. He's that good of an asset. Oh, and, so you uh, think he's he gets offers and he just says no? Or... I believe he does. I don't. I don't. I can't say that. And everybody understand. I don't know it for sure, but I believe he does. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And uh, and his loyalty to the to the community and to that franchise is uh, is salute worthy. So, but he's um, he's gonna have, he's always got a juggernaut in that uh, in that building. And uh, you know you got to look at. Uh, Coquitlam as a as a powerhouse coming along. Uh, they're they're just, a team to watch. Adding adding Massimo Rizzo. Um, PG's and, got a lot of returning guys. Uh, yeah, but adding Massimo Rizzo, I think Coquitlam is a dark horse. I think they're a team to watch. Yep. At least on For that sure. basis. Vernon um, is always good. Vernon's got. Vernon's very good. Um, does Pen Does Penticton win a championship anytime soon with the roster they have? And, absolutely. And Fred? Absolutely. They. It, there's a lot more parity in the league now, but they are right at the top every year. And with the with the guys that they've got returning and the the, uh, the changes they made in the off season, and I know losing Rizzo was a was a big thing, but picking picking up Alex DePaulo in that uh, in that swap uh, is going to look good for him. And I there are there are probably six or eight teams that would be absolutely no surprise to win. So as you I, said early, it all comes down to that. It all comes down to playoff time and peaking at the right time, just like PG did last year. Well, the PG peaked at the right time. Um, a number of teams did. Um, Penticton finished with 79 points in first place in the interior division. And they were ousted in the first round by the Capitals, who finished with 40 points on the island division. 39 points behind Penticton and they were ousted by him. So anything, anything can happen. It's just like, it's just like, uh, just like the NHL. I mean, you get a hot goaltender, you get a key injury, uh, a couple of bounces, a crossbar, all of a sudden, kaboom. I'd like to see, um, Langley do well. Having visited that area recently, um, been through that area, visited, um, it's a very beautiful area. In, in in the lower mainland there in that area yep. and and to see to see them do well would be would be pretty cool um curious to at least to at least compete with uh chilliwack who's a always a juggernaut yep. in in not only the bchl but in the mainland there um in the mainland division so to at least see them compete with prince george and, and chilliwack would be would be cool to see yep uh-huh. It, it, Chilliwack is always good. They're always a. They're. It's always a tough visit when you go to their building and talking about uh, legacies. They've got Skylar Brindamore. In Chilliwack. In Chilliwack. So Son yeah, of Rob. Yep. Rod the Bod from Campbell River. Rod the Bod. <laughs> uh, Coquitlam, good again. Right, returning a lot of guys. Uh, oh, they're going to be strong. And, you know, you just, I, I got to wonder, I'm watching, 
watching what's happening in um, in Surrey in particular, that like I don't they've they've been struggling now for a couple of years, really fallen on some hard time. They don't have they've got two kids that are committed to Quinnipiac. That's it. So it doesn't look like the pipeline is what you'd call full. Wonder what's happening there. Yeah. What's what's going on with those guys? I, I, mean, I when you see somebody rebuild, that's one thing. When you see somebody that just can't seem to rebuild is another. Yeah, there um there's a number of teams looking at it that um I kind of I kind of view that way. Um Surrey. Surrey for sure. They retooled so that might may help, but uh they finished with thirteen wins last year. I know. Fifty eight games played, thirteen wins, thirty points. Well that's they, and it's so it's they weren't even really competitive at that point. There's finishing no, in last place by two points and then there's thirteen wins all year. Not getting it. I, and I, and trails trails kind of the same way. For several years now, trail trails been they were, bottom of the interior division. They had. I mean, last year they they had twenty three wins, so they were at least close to to five hundred. But I mean, they just no matter what they do, they just can't seem to gain traction. You got to go back to scouting. I would imagine. I mean, you've got to you've got to see, maybe start mining in some new areas. I mean, if you're just simply unable to get past the uh, past the 500 mark for a stretch of time, you start looking and get some new guys. Start looking in some uh, under some different shrubs. Well, predictions coming in for the for the year then in the BCHL. Well, any, any major predictions on players or teams specifically? Um, I want to see anybody fall off. Anybody, anybody take the the torch? Anything like that? You know, does Chilliwack finally get knocked off the throne in their division? <laughs> I, does Penticton host the RBC Cup? Do they? You know, do they really take strides forward? You know, what what happens? I well. I'm a fan, so with my with my heart, <clears throat> Penticton's got to be the favorite. I just, I, I of course, Chilliwack's going to be good again. Vernon's always tough. Uh, West Side is up and down. Yeah, I just can't can't get past it. I think it's Fred's time again. It's been uh, what two or three years since he won and went to. Um, I think he was in uh, Humboldt. 2012 won the uh, won the RBC Cup over uh, the Slammers. Yep, over uh, Woodstock, Ontario. And uh, he's won a handful of Fred Page Cups, which is the BCHL Championship. And I think he's due again. I think that that first round bounce last year uh, by Coachin was a uh, that's an outlier. I think this is they're going to come back with a vengeance. You heard it here first. The guy who doesn't <laughs> like opinions and biases <laughs> to be involved just. Uh, Went, went that way with the Penticton of favoritism and went with his heart. Yeah, so. bet my heart. Granted, he does it all the time with Nylander and the Leafs, but 
Um, <laughs> quick, quick note as we kind of transition from BCHL um, a little bit and get more into um, just natural kind of discussion. Um, NHL, RFAs, WHL, all that stuff. Um, I did, while we were discussing, look it up. Um, potential BCHL expansion. Um, Do tell. BCHL Board of Governors meeting. Um, they met, they discussed... And it's looking potentially um, a BCHL, AJHL. Um, they're both looking at um, potentially um, a Cranbrook-based team now that the ice have moved, moved to, Winnipeg. to Winnipeg. Right. That would make sense. That's a good building. Um, the article here says... Um, and I'll paraphrase and I'll kind of go through it, but it says ink is barely dry on Kootenai moving from Cranbrook to Winnipeg. WHO club made the announcement to transfer to the Manitoba capital after the team was floundering on the ice and in the stands over the past several seasons in Cranbrook. With the move done, a couple of Cranbrook-based groups have approached the BCHL about a possible Junior A franchise coming back to the Kootenays. Uh, BCHL talked about the possibility at the recently wrapped up Board of Governors meeting where um, Mike Mike Hawes, the general manager of Prince George, was present. Okay. Um, in an interview, Hawes believes the market could prove to be a major plus for the league. Well, travel alone, yeah. it helps. He, I mean, they're close by to trail. Yeah. He is quoted as saying, two groups have approached the league about a possible expansion franchise into Cranbrook now that the Kootenai Ice have confirmed they are leaving. Um, they confirmed that months ago, though. Um, it would be a good market for our league as it is a good hockey area of the province and it would be a good area for our league to explore. Makes all the sense in the world. Uh, be shocked if they don't. Yeah. Cranbrook has been home to, very solid, to a very solid Colts program, which spent time in the both Junior A and B rankings. Um, uh, Colts proved to be formidable. Um, they captured the um, KIHL, which is the same league as the Summerland Steam. Yep. Um, they captured the title on 11 occasions from 72 to 87. <laughs> um, so it, Grew the, up a lot of guys there. Um, as a league, we work hard to support our teams and the communities they are in. It's no secret that some teams in our league do better than others within their community, as some potential exists for relocation, but I think preferably it would be nice to have an expansion franchise into that area. So nothing confirmed, but at least the article, an article that states that it's been discussed. Yeah, that that's that, potentially that makes all the sense in the world. That's a, that's a nice building in a good area. They've got the population to support it. Well, here, here you go. Concluding the article, Hawes, general manager of Prince George, was asked if PG would relocate. Um, uh, let's see. Well, they get clobbered on travel, right? I think, like, think it would be the best fit. Absolutely Hawes also points out that there is absolutely zero chance the Spruce Kings would entertain a move to the Kootenai region. Right. 
So they get killed on travel, but but PG is very the Spruce Kings are very popular in that area. Absolutely, and that's a big town. PG's with, over a hundred thousand. The Cougars now. of the WHL, they they're very popular in that area. So um, it makes sense that he wouldn't want to move. Um, he's quoted as saying, "Absolutely not. We are one of the most stable franchises in the league. Yeah, uh, we do well on and off the ice, as you know. And on top of that, we are one of the most respected franchises in the BCHL and the league." In our division and the league, and the league is extremely happy right now with our our franchise. Um, it's just a so. tough. It, it's a tough league for travel. It might not seem like it, but just getting from the Okanagan Valley to the island is a all day job. Mm-hmm. Bus wise, you're five hours, four or five hours to the Lower Mainland if the weather's good. Two hour ferry ride across, and another hour or so up to Nanaimo or someplace. So it's a, it's a long day of travel. PG's 12 hours from here. That's uh, you just, it's a bus league like all of them are, but, and, and that's where, that's where the franchises have problems is in travel expense. You can, you can make it at home. Going out on the road is very difficult when you've got a coaching staff, trainers and players that are on per diem and you're, that's why a lot of teams will do very, very few overnights. You get on the bus after the game, and you hop it back home for 10 or 12 hours. So it's the way it has to be. Cranbrook would be a good area, though, I think, sure. to see a team. It's, I'd say it's inevitable. I, there's, there's interest. It's a strong league. It's getting stronger. Location-wise, the travel makes sense. It'll be there. They'll be in Cranbrook. Well, transitioning, we'll, um, we'll transition here. Again, if you're listening to us on the way to work or doing anything like that, um, wait till you're in a safe area, but make sure you, you subscribe, you rate and review, share with family and friends, help the show grow. We appreciate you tuning in, and we appreciate the support. Uh, War Room the Hockey Podcast, episode 22. Uh, this week, BCHL discussion, and we'll transition um, and have a little fun to close to uh, to close it out. Well, transitioning, Worm Hockey Podcast episode twenty two. Uh, first off, um, quick reference. Um, we do it every week. Quick reference. RyanWalter.com. Ryan Walter, leadership guru, uh, runs leadership retreats in the BC area. Um, Team builder, motivational speaker, tremendous guy. Um, look him up. RyanWalter.com, and. Uh, Look to him for any motivation and any leadership lessons or information that you need, um, as well as uh, Breakaway Brewing, which officially opened about two months ago in um, the Okanagan Valley here in Summerland. Um, Craft beer, uh, tremendous food. If you're ever in the area, check them out. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Check them out. Come visit. Appreciate the support. Um, and, and the love. So RyanWalter.com, Breakaway Brewing, um, all presented by North Palm Media uh, here in the Okanagan Valley. Beauty. Transitioning, um, we normally start each week with some headlines. Um, there was some more urgent things to discuss this week, so we'll, we'll kind of do some headlines now to, to <laughs> head in and, and close with... Um, Unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, there's not a lot of headlines to be discussed right now um, because because the focus is RFAs and they're not really, again, another week where where there's not really a whole lot of information on RFAs to discuss. Crickets. But um, the biggest one would, biggest information right now, I guess, would be um, the potential of um, Marner going to Switzerland if he doesn't have a contract by... Um, by camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's who knows how serious that is. I mean, I, I know it's a thing and I know he'll be skating, but it's, uh, that may be posturing. We'll see. I just, I'm still, I'm still in, intrigued by the idea that he hasn't signed yet because I know they've got the money freed up. The term must be a real sticking point. Good news for Bill Guerin. He just got his first GM job. In Minnesota. The bad news for Bill Guerin is Minnesota, and that is a franchise in. They are bad and getting badder. It's going to be a tough deal. He's he is hamstrung by the cap. He's got. They're, are they contracts to unload? They're middle, they're, they're middle of the road. I th- they're I think they're more, in more trouble than people want to want to admit. They're lottery. Um, they're Eric, Eric Stahl is other side of 30 and, and everything. Um, Prezi and Suter are hamstrung by those massive contracts they signed how many years ago? Um, paying those guys until as well as injury prone, both of them. And they're just, they're not just don't have much to work with. They're one of the teams this off season that has not done much. Well, they can't. Where they fired. They, Fen- they fired Fenton. Hired Bill Guerin. But what they haven't done much in the off season. You know, they've kind of sat still. Now you could argue that that you could argue that. Well, what can they do? They're hamstrung a bit, and sure they are. But they've 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 done nothing. They've sat stagnant to the point of. Do they are they still of the belief that they're a better team than than they potentially will be because they've done nothing. Well, they, the most consistent guy they've had in recent history is sucker and they're trying to peddle him. So what do we, you know, what are you going to do there? They don't have, they don't have much to work with. They don't have a pipeline full of guys. They don't have much in the way of, of uh, draft picks in the system. I just, I don't know where they're, where do you go with this team? I mean, this is almost to the blow it up point. I just don't think they're, I, I don't see them making any kind of an impact at all. Well, prediction time then, something to ponder. Lottery. Come December, come trade deadline, come these things, if they aren't where they want to be in the standings, and everybody knows common sense is no matter what your roster looks like, everybody wants to be at the top. If they're not where they want to be in the standings, um, playoff-wise and whatever else, does Bill Guerin blow it up? Got to. Does he move Zucker? Does he move Stahl? Does he do these things for draft picks for the sake of a playoff team that needs a rental that can add a Zucker on a a second or third line for for depth due to a season-ending injury to somebody? So he clears him out and he starts stockpiling picks and prospects for the sake of a rebuild do is that something that choice is that something that is likely to happen as we just talk right now bank on it absolutely bank on it he's but the guys that he can get rid of 
Parisi and Suter are on no moves. He can't buy out Koivu because he's over 35. He can probably get something out of Zucker. He can probably get something out of Matt Zuccarello, Marcus Foligno, but he doesn't have any chips to play with. I mean, he's got uh, Matt Dumba might be his best bargaining chip right now, and he's he's a guy that you could. Jared get, Spurgeon is a good Spurgeon, move. Yeah, good move piece too if you need to. But he's but he's uh, he's got one year left and then he's UFA, so that makes him tougher to deal with. Um, he could move Dubnik for four million bucks. He's he's tradable. The other but, question in Minnesota too would be then. Upon blowing it up, how 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 massive an explosion do you make? Because w- what what players and part of part of a, a a blow up rebuild for any team is some players are retained because they're they're the guys you build around. So is there anybody on the roster right now, youth wise, or potentially could be on the roster this coming season that you that Minnesota can build around? And is, is it a Spurgeon? Is it a Dumba? Is it somebody that, okay, this is, this is our core right here. This one, two, four guys, whatever our core, our young core, everybody else is expendable. They, they're movable. We, we stockpile picks and prospects to build around these guys. And then we, we head into the lottery in 2020 in the 2020 draft and, draft well and now we can rebuild around this this core group i uh, i wouldn't rebuild around anybody over 25 because this is going to take a while they don't have anyone under 25 on they don't have anybody under 25 they got kevin fiala and they've got ryan donato neither one of those guys are pillars neither one of them are are cornerstones so no i blow up the entire thing, pedal everybody you can pedal, but, and this is going to sound cruel, they don't have a single blue chip prospect in their system. Not one. They don't have a single guy there that you can say, well, you just wait till well, this one comes along. Matthew Boldy, part of that U.S. National Development Program team with Jack Hughes, um, big, he's a big kid already. Fair enough. And he's, I mean, he's got comparables in, at the, um, at the draft, he was compared to Miko Rantanen. I mean, he's got comparables to where, yep. okay, you to where NC two A, AHL proper development put on a few pounds. These things, he it's could, a start. He he could be at least a start for for him. So then, yeah. I, I wouldn't say Matthew Boldy is blue chip on the basis of of a of a is Mitch a, Marner type prospect, is he a franchise guy, or a franchise maybe, type uh, guy, or a or big name prospect. Right. But he he's a he's a guy that if I'm in Minnesota and I'm looking at it with any common sense of the rebuild that is inevitable at some point, if not this year, then next year, then I'm looking at least a Matthew Boldy and going, okay, the future's bright if he can develop well. And Bill Guerin can can do things the right way. He's, unfortunately, this but Matthew Boldy's the, the only guy. The Matthew Boldy's the only guy that I can even think of that has any potential in their pipeline to be exactly. a guy that that can lead Minnesota into the future. So, speaking of potential, they just signed Josh Hosang 
on the island. Mm. Now, this is a guy that's got, he's, again, I, I hate to, hate to say bad things about anybody. This kid is a, he's a Marner skilled guy. He is that good. He has got ridiculous skills. Man, oh man, do they have trouble trying to get, find his heart. They're just, I, what is it with this guy? Uh, and Mike Dalcole's the same way. I've liked him, both of these kids, since they were teenagers. They were 15, 16 years old. Uh, fantastic kids. And just never found their way. I'm, I'm eager to see whether, if either of those guys get to a consistent every night NHL level. Well, it's, a, it's a situation where it's either, where it's either they've peaked you know, and there's something that the scouts and everybody sees that just kind of goes, nah, they don't have it at the NHL level. Or there's something about their character that just doesn't fit. Because- you know why I, you know why the, the, the likelihood is that they're going to snap into form and, and become something? Because Lou Lamorello. I, Lou doesn't sign them to a long term deal or to any deal. Lou doesn't do anything with those guys if they are if they're going to flunk out. He's he's too much of a hardliner. Uh he's just not he's not that kind of guy. So one year for Hosang and two years for Dal Cole, it's not a huge risk for Lou, but I think he still he's given him one last shot. It's the way he works. Agreed. Um Zach Smith signed long-term in Ottawa. That's good. He's a he's a solid guy. He's, he's a, their first long term guy since Bobby Ryan. <laughs> he is. He's the first guy to sign over a five year deal since they locked up Bobby Ryan a number of years ago. He's a great dressing room kid. He's a he's or not a, Zach Smith. Zach Smith was traded. No, forgive me. Um, White. I no. I know who you mean. Yeah. White. Sorry. Yeah, Colin White. Colin White. Zach Smith was traded to uh, Chicago. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and, I mean, Colin White. Sorry, Zach Smith yeah. is is still a great guy, and that was a big upgrade for for the Hawks. I was looking right at it, and I got the name, <laughs> and I said the name wrong. Colin White, forgive me. That's White. White's a good, solid player. He'll be around. Um, we're we're to the time though where we're we're in we're in that bubble, I guess, where it's harder and harder to do any type of predictions heading into the season. We just said what we said about Minnesota, but come December or the trade deadline, anything can can happen. Yeah, there's a, you know what the the it, league is hard, a little it's like harder your, and harder to look at a, a team these days, and we can we can pick apart and we can go oh this guy meh, you know too small or this guy whatever, but it's harder and harder to look at a roster, especially before the season, and and go this team won't make it this team's rebuild this team's this and that so exactly and and because i thought i thought minnesota was there a number of years ago and and then they they brought in eric stahl and i was like oh they're definitely there now and eric stahl revitalized himself after after a bad year in carolina and then a rough season in new york he comes in and is there is one of, if not Minnesota's leading scorer, really and game really, back together. really puts it back together, yep. and it leads leaves Minnesota in the discussion. So I was like, so then it left me thinking. So 
I think it's difficult, especially before the year, to really accurately predict whether a team's going to be there or not. You miss the mark on somebody every year. There are some guarantees out there. You know some of these teams that are going to be really, really good, at least regular season good. And the playoffs are a, cra- a crapshoot all their own. But you know you're going to have hard times in Minnesota. You're pretty much guaranteed that the L.A. Kings are going to struggle. Chicago? Chicago made a lot of improvement. That that. Is it I'm enough improvement to though see. to to put them back in the playoffs, or is it or is it moves that paper over bigger issues that they just if they're moved. not careful those bigger issues become even bigger and now they're in more trouble. I still I don't believe they're playoff contenders by any stretch, but they've still got Kane and Taves. They've still got Keith and Seabrook. They've still got the building blocks and they and the additions like Zach Smith. Uh, so they brought back Brandon Saad. They've they've done some things to solidify the middle part of that roster. To get you know, I mean, you're not going to win with Vinny Hinestrosa. You're going to have to. They they put some real solid middle six guys back in that lineup, and that's that's why they're going to be uh, they're going to be much better. They still have to get past the Blues and Nashville and Winnipeg, but they're a, they're a middling team for sure. Uh, and there are going to be some that are good, some that you know are not going to be good. And then the rest, you know, the guys in the middle between 8 and 20, who knows, or 8 and 25 even. And it's all a matter of, like in the Blackhawks case, they really looked like they were starting to play for Colleton at the end of last season. They turned it around. They they made a, they made a push. Yep. Uh, so, and that's a team that, when you see when you see a team that will play that way for their coach, then it's like the Islanders for um, for Barry Trotz. You that's a that's such an indication that no matter what that roster looks like on paper, that you're going to have your hands full every night. Some of them are like that, and some just aren't. But you know, it it, it never changes. The league's got rebuilders. You're either rebuilding or soon to be rebuilding. Uh, no matter where you are. Uh, there are not too many exceptions to that rule. It's going to be fun to watch, though it always is. And there's there's no shortage. Look, I know you can't predict, and anybody who says this is going to happen or that's going to happen uh, is just kidding themselves. And, and But that never stopped us before. No. Right? We, we're in that business. We're, we're, we're to the point with quiet RFAs and different things like that where for the basis of content we kind of have to predict what do you what do you see happening in vegas they look like they have to be good that's another team that that seems like and then well don't i I struggle with coach i struggle with vegas because i'm not pleased that they're that they're exempt from (laughs) <laughs> the expansion rules and the expansion draft come Seattle. They've been in the league long enough. By the time the expansion draft happens for Seattle, they've been in the league long enough where absolutely they should have to protect players and lose somebody. I'm I'm sorry. It's not like <laughs> Vegas came in last year. Seattle comes in this year. So they're still new and fresh. They, they're, they, they really so, went out of their way to protect those guys. So I don't, I don't, I'm not pleased with that from that perspective. Vegas as a team on the ice, 
I think I think they're set up to where they kind of have to win. They they bring in they bring in and anybody who knows me personally knows that my favorite player is Paul Stasny. <laughs> favorite player, he'll go down as one of my all-time favorite players. However, I'll at least be objective enough even with him to be to be able to say that he's on the other side of 30. And you bring in a 32, 33-year-old guy on a three- or four-year contract like Paul Stasny, you, you do a good job of, of re-upping William Carlson. Flurry, who's on the tail end, you would think of here in the next four, five, six years of his career. He's 34. He's got four years left. So. And, and things like that. They've got players on their team where, where you would think... Now, they've got a pipeline. They've got Cody Glass. They've got guys like that. He's going to be a major league um, player. But but they've got guys on their on their everyday roster that suggests that they are built to, they want to and potentially even need to win bet- between now and the end of some of those those veteran contracts. Uh, otherwise otherwise they may go from a new expansion team first year Stanley Cup final to a rebuild real quick without much of anything what if, I, if they don't do it now. What I like about them, uh, when you look up and down that roster, they're, they are spread so evenly between youth and experience that if you take a if you take a Paul Stasny, who's one of their older players at 33, and he's lost, let's say this year, next year, he's lost enough steps that he's found his way to the bottom six. You take uh, Derek England, who's 37 and was never the quickest guy afoot. Great, great guy. But when these guys start to slow down, what do you got? You got Shea Theodore coming along. You've got Cody Glass, who may be the best player not in the NHL right now. You've got guys, uh, you know, Alex Tuck is a is a major league player at 23. They've got solid players like Riley Smith and and Cody Eakin. This is a this is a pretty well constructed roster based on the fact that they're you you don't look at them and say they've got a window. Well, such as such as the de- the debate, right? Such as the debate. You can look at you can look at them and you can say for as many young guys they have in the lineup like an Alex Tuck, they've also got enough old guys like an England and a Stasny and yep. and things like that. So such is the debate, especially before the season and different things like that, where where you could argue kind of both sides of it. Where do they have a window? Is their window open? And now there there's no close to that window for the foreseeable future due to the potential of a Cody glass and, and things Absolutely. like that. Or, or is it a situation where they've built their roster just as much around veterans as, as much as the tucks and the young guys where could they potentially find themselves in a rebuild situation if they're not careful once a Stasny in England and these guys start to start to trend in the retirement out the retirement door right now so it's, no it, it, but they 
they're no different than any other team. But they're no different than yeah. Nashville or Winnipeg or the Leafs or anybody else. If you have such as how you build the team and correct in, in the pipeline. If you have the pipeline, then then as a guy heads out, you've got a guy who's ready to fill in. Yep. Yeah. So now you you cannot in this league right now, or you know for the last at least the last CBA, you cannot have two or three ba- terrible drafts in a row. If you do, you're simply in trouble because you can't afford them as UFAs. You're not going to get them off the scrap heap anymore at 22, 23 years old. You're not going to find gems in the minor leagues like this. So you, as long as they keep drafting well, and one thing they did that McPhee took full advantage of there uh, at the expansion and in his first year is he traded all those opportunities. I'll leave your guy alone for a couple of draft picks. I'll leave this guy alone. I'll leave your goaltender alone, but I want draft picks for it. And, and he stockpiled draft picks if he uh, he seems to really what his fingerprints are on some really good teams he knows how to draft and spuds knows how to coach and I I, I see them as a team that is going to be if not a full-on contender they're going to be a very tough out for a long time well they've they've kind of ruined the curve for Seattle <laughs> yeah that's for sure they've set it up to where now Seattle you would the pressure's on Seattle to come in and be a team first year that really really competes so they've they've done they've kind of ruined the curve a little bit um here's another one for here's another one for just conjecture what's um how do you like the Dallas Stars now take what I said to Vegas and apply it to the, to Dallas about their window about their window, about their their pipeline, about the guys they've added. Yeah. Well, they thirty five year old Pavelski. Because, because aside from Miro Heiskanen, what a player! And you know they've they've got some good younger players like Dickinson, and you know Fax is still fairly young, and hence. Hints hints is a good player. So I'm glad you pointed him out. I spaced on him. Um, but aside from those guys, Hints and Heiskanen being kind of the two big ones that stand out, who's in their pipeline? And, you know, I like Montgomery as a coach. I think he fits in Dallas as a coach. Yep. I think he's, I think if he plays his cards right, he's got himself a long NHL career ahead of him, a long successful NHL career ahead of him. He's as that type I. of coach. As do I. Um, however, due to their pipeline or lack thereof adding Ben is 28, 29. Sagan is 27. Ben's 30. Ben's 30. Yeah. Sagan's 28. Pavelski's 35. Sagan is 27 or 28. 27. Radulov's 33. Radulov 33. Um, Pavelski 35. Perry 34 or 36. I mean, because because they they don't seem anyway on paper to have much of a pipeline. Their their young studs are already in the lineup in Hints and Heiskanen, Klingberg, yep. things like that. They don't have- adding Perry and Pavelski. Take my comments for Vegas and apply them directly to Dallas. They they are built to. They've got a signing of years. them. They they they're built to win now. Yep. 
adding Perry, adding Pavelski says that they're ready to, they want to, and potentially need to win now. Otherwise, they ruin the prime of a Jamie Benn and a Tyler Sagan, and all of a sudden, it's rebuild time, and at that point, does a Benn and Sagan want to stick around for a rebuild the same way Duchesne didn't want to stick around for a rebuild in Colorado? Do, do they want to stick around? So add add those veterans, add that that hopeful, because with Perry, it's hopeful. Yeah, his it, health is the big thing. His health and his production... And maybe those two go hand in hand, but the point is it's hopeful with Perry that he can find 20 goals, a 20 goal form again. And you add those guys, it tells me that, okay, those, those are our missing pieces to win now. Otherwise we're in trouble. And that's kind of how I see Dallas is, is they want to win now for the Sagans and the Bens for the trajectory in the future of a, of a, a Haskinen and a and a Hints, but if but if Perry and Pavelski don't pay off in a Stanley Cup, then oh shit, what do we do? Yeah, they've got. To... That's kind of how I see. That's kind of how I see Dallas. And, and that's not to say that Dallas is is a bad team. No, no, they're they're extremely they're a competitive team. They're 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 a good team. Yep. But unlike unlike a. Uh, Toronto or a Colorado or a Calgary or anybody like that, their window is kind of now. Whereas the teams oh, I, I just, whereas the teams I just yeah. named have, have, have a pipeline and have done things the right way to where their window is not only just opened, but if they play their cards right, it's an eight or 10 year window. Absolutely. I don't see Dallas having an eight or 10 year window. I, I see if I see having an eight or 10 year window in the future if they do it right. But right now it, I see their window being now. And it's the same way um, to close out here. Um, so we can start to wrap things up. It's the same way as I view Nashville. Okay. I mean, okay. Nashville has F- Fabro. Right. Yep. Um, and they, they're, you know, that they're, they see a lot of reliability in Fabro. Yep. They, they have Fabro. They've got, they've got at least a pipeline or some semblance of a pipeline of some of up and coming. Um, they've drafted fairly well over the years, Yep. but they're kind of like Minnesota. They've spent a lot of time tops of the conference, tops of the division playoffs, all this stuff to get bounced. And at what point does their window close? And does, does Duchesne, put them over the hump at all? Or, I mean, what, what pushes them to cup or bust? And at what point does their window close? Or, or are they a team that, it, that ha, are, have drafted and built themselves up in a way where they don't really have a window? Their window's open, they're there, and it's theirs for the taking for the foreseeable future. Like, they're... A little bit, well, I, I wouldn't say old. They're they're in the midst of it right now. The core of that team is late twenties, so immediate window closing, no. But they, are they, they probably are they three, in a are they years. in a three to five year window of either of having to do it now or they're 
or they're another team that's that falls, rebuilds, and has to come back. I they're at a point a, a little bit like Vegas, except they don't have the draft picks. They've spent a lot of picks recently, but they're they're at that point where the next two years draft is going to be critical because right now you're drafting the guy who in in the summer of 20 you're going to be drafting the guys that are going to take Duchesne and Johansson's place yep yep uh, maybe you know you're going to have to recycle some of the middle part of their roster but with with uh, Duchesne and Johansson I can't believe I'm saying it because it seems like just two weeks ago we watched Matt Duchesne being drafted with Tavares and Hedberg but Hedman or uh, Hedman uh at you know at 28 years old he's a golly where did 10 years slip away to but uh yeah he's the, Johansson and and uh, Duchesne up front are the driving by the force. time they're 30 to 31 they're they're gonna they're gonna be having start to have more trouble keeping up same by the way time on they're defense. 30 years, by the time they're 31 32 they're gonna have to have a cup under their belt or it's going to be start to be a struggle and that's probably going to have to come from from uh Saros because Rene's 36. Yep. Uh the on defense is probably even a little bit more of a bubble because the core of the defense is all 29 28 29. Uh so they're you know you got Weber at 30, Ellis at 28 and uh Yossi and Ekholm at 29. So you got to gonna have to do something to recycle they're, the defense in the next couple of years because they're in, as, a, they're in a three to five year bubble i, I, I would say yeah. um well to close things out and we haven't even discussed on the question mark surrounding winnipeg <laughs> man yeah that's we don't have nearly enough show for that and that's not 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 including line a i'm just talking question marks about their future about how competitive they're they're going to be what their window looks like yeah. um well, listen, so we've got a we've got a league wide kind of wrap up. Coming we, we have a league wide wrap wrap up heading into to heading into camp, camp and and yeah. preseason and and the regular season here in the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll touch on that. Um, what are we looking forward to this coming week? Though we're going uh, going through the dub next week, aren't we? Next week, yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll at least touch on it the way we did BCHL this week, um, but this coming week, um, anything to look forward to? More pacing and hand wringing. I think that's what's been going on, and all you know. I think that's why uh, that's why all the GMs have uh, cottages at the lake so that they can get away from it for a while and and pace somewhere else while the phone doesn't ring. <laughs> well, hopefully, and we say it every week, but hopefully, uh, hopefully in the ne- in the coming week or weeks, some R- RFA's kind of come kind of start falling. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Uh, thank you for tuning in for episode number 22, another episode of War Room the Hockey Podcast. Our listeners are the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for tuning in. Please head to Facebook, give us a like. Head to Instagram, give us a follow. Uh, head to Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcast, uh, and give us a rating and a review. Hit the subscribe button. Share on your social media platforms. Share with family and friends. Help us grow the show and, and the content and... Make sure you're you're ready to be alerted to new episodes which come out every week. Right now, to, to close out the off season, at least every Wednesday. Um, 
So thank you for joining the studio. Always a pleasure. Um, I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.